Sri Vishnu Sahasranam, name 836. Achintya. Achintya. A preceding a word, often in Sanskrit, negatizes it, negivates it, gives the opposite of the meaning. Chintya means that which is comprehensible, conceivable, related to words like chitta and chetana, which refer to the consciousness, comprehension, the, the idea of being able to understand, to, to consciously perceive and analyze and understand. Krishna can be perceived. He can be understood to some extent, otherwise there would be no reason for him to speak Bhagavad Gita or to give the whole Vedic literature which is meant to understand him. But at the same time, the Vedic literature describes him as Avang Manasagochara. He is beyond the scope of words to describe and the mind to conceive. In other words, to some extent, according to the ability, according to our infinitesimal ability to conceive and to understand, we can understand him. But his existence is such that it is beyond the he being the infinite is beyond the mental powers of we limited beings to fully comprehend. If we consider the actions of the mind and the intelligence in human life can be much more elevated than that of animals. The human is particularly suited for abstract thinking, for thinking in terms of subtleties. <clears throat> for instance, being able to do complex mathematics. It seems that not every human has this capacity. Intellectuals in particular have this. But even the very usage of the words like love and mind and color, fear, hate, emotion, relative, even the use of such words means the human thinks in terms of abstracts. A lot of his thinking goes on in terms of abstracts, even the use of numbers. Some animals might be able to do very, very rudimentary arithmetic, but to get up even to basic algebra, squares, square roots, cube roots, that is only possible with subtle thinking. 
And by the development of subtle thinking, scientists have been able to postulate all kinds of theories, some of which have come to be demonstrated. Uh, for instance, the existence of the atom was postulated and then scientifically proved. So by taking available data and then thinking and extrapolating, it is possible to, by, to come from the abstract to the real. So the human, his, the, the advancement of human civilization in terms of science and technology and even philosophy uh, depends much on the subtle workings of the human intelligence. But it cannot reach to God, cannot reach to understand Him. And therefore, the atheistic scientists claim that we are, there's no use for God in our system of understanding because we, we can understand all we need to know without invoking any God. It is thinking within the box, thinking within the box of compact human intelligence. He is a chintya. Srila Jiva Goswami, the central philosopher or, or the uh, definitive philosopher of the Gorya Vaishnava Sampradaya, definitive philosopher, yeah, is any philosopher fully definitive in any system? That's another question. But anyway, the, the followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu identified themselves as Rupanuga and sometimes as Jivanuga. Rupanuga in the, in the matter of understanding the rasa and Jivanuga in the matter of understanding Bhakti Siddhanta. So Jiva Goswami says that unless we accept Achintya, that the Supreme is inconceivable. We're never going to fully understand Him. There are so many aspects of Him which are beyond our ability to understand. We cannot even begin to, ac to accept and understand the conception of God. In other words, as soon as we accept that He is inconceivable, we can begin to understand him by his mercy. This name, Achintya, well, apart from being a quality, it's of Krishna. It, not just a quality, it's, it's a defining feature of transcendence. Uh, there's so many qualities, but Achintyatva, inconceivability, is a defining feature of transcendence which is true of the jiva also, true of the jiva who is by nature transcendent, but even more so because Krishna is greater than all the jivas put together, so even more so for him. 
But we find the, there's the Ascharya verse in the second chapter of Bhagavad Gita, which states in so many ways that the existence of the jiva is Ascharya. It's amazing. Uh, and what to speak of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This name, it's, it's also a name, apart from calling it, it's a name, we find in Bhagavatam, Canto 10, Chapter 68, Text 8, that Krishna is actually named as a Chinta. This is, after all, Vishnu Sahasra Nama. So all the words here, descriptions of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, their names also. <clears throat> so this is uh, absolutely essential to understand that we can't understand and then we can begin to understand. All these names which begin with a uh, for the Supreme Personality of Godhead, they show that he's beyond all limitations, beyond all bad qualities. On, uh, on discussing the name uh, Amurti, just two names ago, I read out some of the names in Vishnu Sahasranam which begin with a uh, in the sense of negating. So I can read that again, and or, or at least some of them. Anaga Chintya, Achala, Achuta, Adrita, Adrisha, Agrahya, Ajja, Ajita, Akrura, Akshara, Amani, Ameyatma, Amitasana, Amitavikrama, Amoga, Amrityu, Anadi, Anamaya, Ananta, and so on. There are so many names which appear to be defining him in a negative way but they show he's beyond all mundane limitations, all beyond all bad qualities, and that he is in a completely different category to conditioned souls, and even to liberated souls in many cases, just like we can say anagha, the previous name, means sinless. So that pertains to Vishnu, and it pertains to pure devotees like Arjuna. <clears throat> but there are names of the Supreme Lord which specifically pertain to him only uh, or principally. Uh, just like the name uh, Keshava. Vishnu, these names come in Vishnu Sahasranama. So they, they specifically refer to Vishnu. So all these names, they, they may appear to be negative names, but they, they all point to his Achintyatvaman, his inconceivability. And all these names, um, <clears throat> they put them all together and we have Achintya. How can one person have so many exalted qualities? That's also achintya. Inconceivable. This name is especially 
important for Gauriyas. We stress this very much. Uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's philosophy is known as Achinta Bheda Bheda Tattva, the inconceivable difference and non-difference of the Supreme Lord with everything else, with his energies, with all other living beings, with his shaktis, beginning with Radharani, his pastimes are inconceivable. We find in Chaitanya Charitamrita, the word achinta isn't used so much to describe the pastimes of Lord Chaitanya, but then we have the words adbhut, which means wonderful, or chitra, heno lila kore, goranga sundar, chitra, which means amazing. These are all synonyms of achinta. Uh, Jiva Goswami quotes, and our own Srila Prabhupada sometimes quoted, achintya kaluye bhava natangs tarakena yojayat prakritibhya parangyachcha tad achintyasya lakshanam that that which is inconceivable by its very nature should not be subjected to argument. If it's by nature inconceivable, then we just have to accept it as it is. It's beyond mundane material nature, which means it's beyond our mundane mental ability to understand. And we just have to accept it. Logically, we can't understand. There are so many things which we can't, logically we can't understand. For instance, that there can be a square root of a negative integer. But we, if we're going to go to higher mathematics, we have to accept it. In uh, contemporary cosmology, they don't Generally, the cosmologists or scientists, well, it's a bit of a cliche that scientists are atheists. Many of them are not atheists. But it's generally accepted among scientists and especially, well, cosmologists, but by all people, even non-scientists, people believe in a big bang that there was nothing, which is not exactly nothing, but it was more or less nothing, and then it exploded, although there was nothing to explode, and there was nothing to make it explode. Well, that's a chinta. <laughs> that's, that's what they call a miracle. And uh, the hardcore materialistic atheists don't want to accept as anything miraculous, but the very fact of existence itself is miraculous. And then what to speak of he who is behind it all. So it's an important point, an essential point, uh, a central point to accept the inconceivability of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. His pastimes are incomprehensible. To some extent we can understand. We can understand he acts for the pleasure and for the benefit of his devotees. He says why he comes to this world. 
Haritranaya sadhunam vinashayata dushpitam dharma samsthapanataya sambhavami yuga yuga. He comes to uplift the saintly, to destroy the unsaintly, and to establish the principles of dharma, of harmony, based on proper behavior in human society. So we can understand his pastimes to some extent, but then fully, how can we understand? We just have to accept. And people who are atheistic, they won't want to accept that, for instance, Krishna lived in a hill for seven days in his childhood. They say, well, how, how is it possible? How is it possible? But if we accept he's the Supreme Lord, by his separated energies, he holds millions of universes. What is it for him to lift a little hill? This is the kind of theistic realism by which we have to understand the reality of the personality of Godhead. He's so powerful that it's inconceivable for us who we just can't imagine anyone so powerful that he is. And then Parashrabhata gives this interpretation that he, everything about him is beyond comparison with anyone or anything. As the Shruti says, Taitariya Upanishad, Yatovacho Nivartante, Aprapya Manasasaha. He's beyond the words and the mind to, to describe or to comprehend. We have in Bhagavad Gita also. Sarvasya dhataram achintarupam. He is the creator of all and his form among everything else about him is inconceivable. So in achinta, it comes as an adjective uh, in the Bhagavad Gita. So it should be understood that he cannot be fully comprehended. That doesn't mean that we don't try to understand him because to the extent that we can understand him, that will help us. That's why he explains himself in Bhagavad Gita. In Bhagavad Gita, he says, Aham sarvasya prabhavo matasarvam pravajate iti madva bhajante mam buddha bhava samandita. Krishna says that I am the source of everything. Everything emanates from me. Persons who understand this worship me. And intelligently dedicate their feelings to me. So sometimes it's considered that feelings and intelligence are two different platforms of human intelligence. But here Krishna says that at least you understand this much. Try to understand. I am the source of everything. And then you can dedicate yourself to me and worship me with feelings. Understanding always that he is 
to some extent available to our perception and thoughts, but at the same time, he's completely independent, he's on a different platform, and he's beyond our thought and perception. Mm. Great, great thinkers, greatly, highly intelligent people. Einstein is often lauded as the greatest intelligence that we have known. There's so many great thinkers before him. There was Newton, and there are so many great thinkers in the fields of philosophy. Socrates is the most famous and lauded philosopher of the ancient Greek world. <clears throat> and there have been so many uh, philosophers, economists, and uh, novelists who have, and writers who have put their thoughts into writing and influence the development of thought in the Western world. In the English literary, literary tradition, we have Chaucer and Shakespeare and then so many others in economics, Adam Smith in philosophy and atheism, David Hume, uh, there are others also in other uh, countries, great thinkers. Uh, Sigmund Freud has been very influential uh, in more recent time. I'm just saying a few of many, many names who have shaped the, the, the zeitgeist or the, the whole ethos of Western thought. And in recent times, uh, even persons who are not systematic philosophers. Of course, Nietzsche, he wasn't a systematic philosopher, very influential as a philosopher, nevertheless. Uh, Voltaire wasn't a systematic philosopher, but very influential as a philosopher, nevertheless. In recent times, persons like John Lennon and Bob Dylan have been very influential in, in shaping the way people think, although they're not at all systematic philosophers. Uh, but I'm just making the point here that there have been so many great thinkers, and of course, in, in other cultures also. In India, the uh, great philosophers, uh, the most famous, uh, Shankara, Ramanuja, and Madhva, and there have been so many others also. So many great thinkers who are delving into all different facets of the human experience. Specifically, I mentioned in India the Shankara, Ramanuja, Madhva, because they were specifically focused on the topic of God, and particularly Ramanuja, Madhva, and Shankara. He didn't so much focus on the topic of God, per se, of course, that's an English term, uh, but he focused on Brahman, uh, as did Ramanuja and Madhva, but understanding that Brahma is Vishnu. So anyway, what I'm saying is that all these great, great thinkers, Einstein, what a great thinker, Stephen Hawking's more recently, uh, maybe not so great, uh, 
Bhattacharya, lauded as one of the greatest scientific thinkers in recent times. Great thinkers, but they can hardly reach even even a touch of the greatness who is the Supreme Lord. However deep we delve into any subject, however wide we are in our learning, being a polymath, uh, however much we think we've got everything worked out and we understand everything, just like Ludwig Wittgenstein thought at one point that He'd solved all the philosophical problems. Around the same time, Bertrand Russell, uh, along with Alfred North Whitehead, made the Principia Mathematica, trying to show that they, they'd retired philosophy. There's no need for any more philosophy, because they worked it all out by putting, every, putting everything into logical patterns using the language of mathematics. So they thought they'd got everything worked out. We're all, we're all very small in front of he. However much we think we've got everything worked out, we can hardly begin to approach he who is vast. We may think we know so much, but it's like taking a particle of a drop from a huge ocean. He is the ocean of love, mercy, kindness, power. And we'll find in the next thing that comes up in Vishnu Sahasranam, Bhayakrit. He causes fear. Yes, he causes fear. He can, he can be uh, unlimitedly Nasty also. That's also inconceivable, isn't it? Now he's an ocean of kindness and also he can cause so much fear to others. So our brilliant brain will not reach to him. That's the point. In whatever way we think of him, we can never say, yep, yep, now I understood it. Got it under control. Yep. We may do that with some subjects. You may say, yes, now I learn the alphabet, A to Z, or A to Z if you're in America. Uh, yep, I got my multiplication tables. I learned it. 1 times 1 equals 1. 12 times 12 equals 144. In school, we learn the multiplication tables for the numbers 1 to 12. Multiplying every number by up to 12. And then we learn that for all the numbers up to 12. So, yeah, okay, got it under control. All right. We might say that about basic arithmetic. We know how to do addition. We know how to do subtraction. We know how to do multiplication. We know how to do division, which can get uh, a little advanced when you get into division with decimal places. So, all right, that becomes a little more advanced, but okay, got it under control. Right, I can understand that, and gradually you can 
go on and yeah, yeah, and then you can understand the basis of the, the basic workings of uh, trigonometry, geometry, and then you go on into calculus, differential calculus, and integral calculus, and okay, I know how to do that. So you got it under control. But we or we can study biology and understand the difference between different kinds of species. There are different, I, I don't know all the technical terms now, but there are different kinds of reptiles and different kinds of birds are divided into different families and, and so on. Uh, so we may say, yeah, okay, now I understood. But we're never going to be able to say, yes, I understood Krishna. I understood God. It's, it's just not possible. This, the scientists look for a theory which will explain everything. And they even went so far a few years ago as to say that they discovered the God particle. But it's just big-brained children <laughs> thinking that they can understand everything. They can understand God. We can't come near to him. Can't come near. He's a chintya, inconceivable. However much we try to understand, we simply find that we cannot understand. And one who's actually intelligent might actually come to that conclusion that they can't understand him. Yet, the scripture attempts to understand him or to describe him. For, for the, the, the scripture describes him for the benefit of our understanding. Parashara Bhatta gives the example uh, from Shruti, Chandogya Upanishad. Uh, he quotes, Ya Eshantara Adite Hiranmaya Purusha Drishyate Hiranmaya Smashruhu Hiranyakesha Apranakhat sarva eva suvarnaha tasya ya ta kapyasam pundarikam evam akshini. He describes him as golden colored, with a golden colored mustache, eyes resembling a just blossom lotus in the middle of the sun, with a golden hue, golden hair, and so on. So the Shruti does describe him, yet he is indescribable. He's beyond our ability to understand, yet there is description of him. Namalva, in his Tiruvaimuli, in one of his Pasarams, brings these two concepts together, how he's inconceivable, Yet he presents himself through scripture for us to understand. Now Marlava describing him as Param Jyoti. You are the supreme effulgence. You are simply to be exalted upon, praised, enjoyed. Any attempt to fully describe you is going to be futile. We can try to compare you with various familiar objects, various familiar objects, just like in 
the Shruti we just quoted from Chandogya Upanishad. Pundari kam evam akshini, eyes resembling the just, blossoming lotus. So we can, we can compare you with familiar objects like the lotus to emphasize your, the beauty of your eyes, of your feet, of your face, and so on. But it's just a, some kind of comparison which doesn't really work because you're so much beyond all of this. The words can't really do justice to you, but what else can we do? It's, we, we, we don't have any other recourse but to describe you in words to the best of our understanding. It's like someone who has never seen a precious stone, like a diamond or a ruby, and all they know is pebbles. So they say, oh, he's like a, he's like a very nice pebble. But they have no idea. <laughs> his great qualities, his openness to us, his love for his devotees, his availability to his devotees. Therefore, Namalva concludes, well, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't even try to describe your qualities. <laughs> but of course, the devotee cannot but try to describe what his qualities, one of which is his being a chinta. Namalva gives an example. He's so great, but he's Govinda. He loves to be with the cows. And he also gives the, as a, just one of the innumerable examples, that he's so powerful, so, res, so much to be respected by everyone, but he becomes a butter thief and becomes known as a thief. The insulting term of a thief. There's so much to say. If I think I can finish this topic, that in itself would be foolishness. Uh, there's so much to say on this one name. For now, I'll finish, and Krishna willing, tomorrow I'll continue to describe with my very limited ability how the Supreme Personality of Godhead is a chintya. Inconceivable. Mancha kalpa tarubhyascha kripa sindhuvya patitanam pavane hill vaishnave pilnamonama dante nitaya turakam padiyani patya kripa jakaka shatameta daham ravini he sadhava sakareva vihaya durad goranga chandra charne kurita. Parivada tu jano yata tata va nanumakaro nabayang vicharyamaha 
Hari 